welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin-Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as we discuss their journey with their voice and how they use it to support their passions and professions in media, education and the performing arts. Welcome, friends. I hope you're feeling well today. My guest this week is singer-songwriter Curtis Cully. I have invited Curtis on the podcast to talk us through what it's like to be a young, ambitious and driven performer despite living with multiple sclerosis and other health conditions. In this episode, we get a look inside the struggles, the journey, the treatment, and Curtis explains so much more about how this demyelinating disease works. Curtis is a client I've been working with for around eight months. He's also taking part in my pilot study as a test subject. So this episode is also getting to know him as as life is at the moment and we're going to welcome him back to the podcast after the eight sessions to chat through if the practices have made a difference to his voice general health and well-being so welcome to the podcast and what is it like to be you and uh and and how are you feeling okay what's it what's it like to be me um it's quite crazy at times in my own mind i guess it's good sometimes it's bad sometimes, just, just like everything else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, recently just got married, as you as you know, which uh, was one of the one of the happiest days of my life, which absolutely. was amazing. Um, that was probably the be- one of the best days I've had in a while. Um, but yeah, so yeah, just live, living living each day as 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 it comes, rather than planning too much. Is is what I kind of live by. Certainly, <laughs> at the moment, I think we're all in that boat at the moment. Yeah, with at, um... at the moment. and and in general, like even before this, um, that's some advice I I got from yeah various people. <laughs> Absolutely. So living with your your health, um, sort of, I guess I don't know if I want to say limitations, but I mean, how how does how does your health issues manifest themselves in in your voice work? In my voice work. Mm. Um, because I have a, a thyroid issue as well in that area, they tire quicker than normal, so you have to kind of pace yourself. Because of the treatment I've had, I have a permanent sore throat, like literally every day. I have a sore throat, so it's just become part of my life. And I I have that numbing spray or whatever it is. What do you call it? That an- anesthetic or something? Yeah. No, but no. it's like a minor thing, and I, I use that when it gets too unbearable. But that's because of the treatment I've had. Um, so <laughs> I, I amaze myself every day that I start singing and continue to do it <laughs> because because of all the the, the stuff that <clears throat> that stop well tries to stop me from doing it mm. um ms for me has has affected like my short-term memory so I, I forget things really really fast and um when you have to perform under pressure or like <laughs> do anything under pressure and you have to remember stuff is well difficult i find it really hard i have to go through things a lot of times for them to get in my brain yeah. like to, to to be like cool i've, I've learned it Whereas I didn't used to have to do that, if that makes sense. Also, also speech and other things that are affected on like my worst days. Like I can't talk very well, and I find it very difficult to like engage in a conversation. Okay. Um, so that's really hard when you got to a gig and then you got to stand up <laughs> in front of people. So yeah, I've, I find that really difficult. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest ones. That, that I struggle with yeah that sounds really tricky I mean if you've you know and obviously we can't move gig days around we do no, you know exactly. you have to kind of go where the work is and um yeah I can I can only relate to that on gigs where I know that I've I've been under par you know you sort of got to be getting over a cold or you're going into a cold and you've got to go there and show up and put that brave face on and you know yeah. teeth and tits that's what I was really told <laughs> <That's it>. <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah, so that that that's another one. This is like the biggest one actually because I have to play guitar. Like I've I've lost a lot of the feeling in my hands because of the nerves and stuff in my brain because that's where MS attacks. I had to basically relearn to play the guitar. Like when I was halfway through uni, I was like, I literally can't feel what I'm playing. <laughs> so I was just like, but I can still with my fingers, but I literally can't feel what I'm playing. So I'm like, I have no like, and it, t- to this day, like it's it's still never like it used to be for me. You know, like um when I first started playing and when I was learning, I was really enjoying it and doing it now it's really it's 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 i can't do a lot of things that i used to be able to like fast playing and you know stuff like that so basically what i've had to do is simplify everything just make it all simple like just play open chords use a capo you know and and a lot of people do that anyway because you're singing but like it's just for me it's it's even more of a 
how can I make this as simple as it can be? Yeah. Because then I don't have to worry about it so much, you know? Um, that, yeah, I mean, like I, we was, I was saying to you just off air, you've got my full admiration anyway, because you go out and you will bust with a guitar and sing. And um, yeah. as much as I can jam my, jam my way in front of a piano, if I had to busk it, I could busk it. But I choose not to because of that whole thing of being able to be in sort of full freedom mode with my voice. I find that really hard paired with an instrument. So I so admire musicians that can do both. And uh, you're one of them. So, you know, you get, you're getting yeah, the, no, it, I'm it, not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> no, with, with, with that, it, it, it just takes time and practice and practice and failing and failing and failing. And then you just keep doing it, you know? Um, yeah. A guy that I really look up to, he's not even a musician, just the way that he thinks about life and the way that he thinks about things is um, Gary Vaynerchuk. Have you heard of him? Gary Yes, v. I have heard of yeah. him, yeah. He... he like I like if I feel rubbish or feel down, I just go on like his Instagram and just like flick for a couple of beers. I'm like, yes, mate, this yeah. is what I needed, and I'm like, cool, yeah, I'm, I'm just real I'm, posit- positive thought leaders. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. thing is, it's it's like accountability. So you, it's like I, I'm a massive believer in that. Like you, you own it. You know what I mean? You own it. Um, and that's what I say. I, and my dad said this to me when I went in for my treatment because it was quite scary for me. He was like, I've got MS, but MS hasn't got me. So it's like. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So I, that's what my dad said, and I was like, "Yeah, that's real true." I that was is, like, "I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna use it." That's fantastic. But, I mean, I don't, I don't actually know a lot about MS. I'll be honest. Would you mind for our listeners and for also for me a bit, just explaining a yeah, bit sure. how how it manifests? Okay, I'll do the do the scientific. Yeah, thing. do that. <laughs> I done. Okay, so basically, MS is your white blood cells, so your T and B cells. Mainly, they think anyway. They, this is all because they don't actually know what it is right um but they know that it your white blood cells attack your myelin sheath so they go through the blood brain barrier and attack your myelin sheath in your spinal cord or in your brain um and it can um they think it they do it in certain areas but they're not sure yet so then you get scar tissue once severed um attacks the the um the nerve coating which is there for the protection of the nerves um, you get scar tissue and then those electronic signals send into parts of your, your body your brain everywhere else um don't work as well so that's mm-hmm. why you get like a kind of well it is a disability do you know what I mean? yes. <laughs> you, you get like so and you have these things at first called relapses which is where the white blood attack then you have remission which is where they're not and then you heal that's the first stage and then if that is left untreated you go into secondary progressive which is not very nice and <laughs> You basically don't have any more relapses, but your disability just keeps getting worse. Gosh. But now that we have all these treatments available, it's it's not as common to go into that stage, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, it does seem there's greater awareness these days. Of, yeah, of yeah. yeah, and, and the, the treatment is, is getting better every year. Um, That's fantastic news. But there's also another thing called primary progressive, which is from onset, you have no relapses so no visible scars on your brain or anything but you just get disabled really really fast like like really really quickly and i've met one person with that and i was like heartbreaking it was absolutely horrible um but she was like the most positive person i've ever seen so i was just like wow you're you're an inspiration to many you know Um, absolutely but the thing is it takes ages to diagnose unfortunately and it was like and for me even for me i didn't think it was quick obviously because i was going through it but I got my diagnosis after two years of fighting so hard. And my, my, I gave up because I was so ill and my mum was fighting for me. So it, and everyone was like, you're so lucky you got this after two years. It took me six years or whatever. And then I was in a wheelchair and they said, don't know, you know, so yeah. I, was, I was just kind of like, wow, um, that's, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Why do some people get this and some people not? They know that smoking, if you smoke, you're more likely to, to get it. Apart from that, they don't know. <laughs> there's, they literally don't actually know. Yeah. Um, because I asked, I said, why did I get this? Why did this happen? Because I was a fit, healthy young dude. Like, yeah. I was, you know, doing stuff. And I saw, a, I saw a photograph of you the other day, Curtis, where it seemed to be you were in the splits with yeah. very, very long hair. Yeah. I was like, I never knew you when you looked like this. <laughs> yeah, no. So, yeah, I was, you know, a very active young person. Were you a um, gymnast? I did do it for a while. Yeah, a little while. But more, more so like the like parkour, free running, flips oh. outside, concrete sort of thing. Wow. But yeah, so that was me when I was when I was younger, and then I was just like, how did this happen to me? Like, what, what yeah. did this? 
when did this happen? Do you know what I mean? Because you, I mean, oh. you must have been absolutely full of vitality to be jumping around yeah. doing this kind of parkour yeah. stuff. Amazing. Um, so yeah, that that's what I mean. And then to to get that, it was a bit of a kick in the teeth. Really, I was just like, "What the hell? I've been healthy my whole life. I haven't done anything really. You know, I haven't been couch potato ish. You know, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with couch potato. We all have the right to indulge at the moment. We do. But um, you know, yeah. So it it was just a bit of a shock to me to yeah to get that diagnosis. Like obviously, I I cried a lot. This was 2017, so three years ago. Three years ago. But I had all the symptoms for two years prior and. In men, it's a lot more fast. So if you don't get it, and once you have a relapse, there's no, you can't make that better again, if that makes sense. So yeah. once you have that disability, like, you, you have it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, there's, you know, you can't. So if you don't mind me asking you a bit more detail then, so you were saying that, that the beginning you started, that you playing guitar, you couldn't sort of feel yeah, yeah. what, what your that fingers was, were doing on the strings. Yeah, that was um, one of my... I think that was my second, no, third, third actually, yeah, third um, symptom. I was like, what the hell? I was like, I can't feel my fingers. Why is this happening? Um, my, 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 it's funny because me and my wife always joke because we have like opposite symptoms. Like, because she has MS as well. We, we just make light of it, you know what I mean? So, yeah, just. And you're sort uh, of balancing each other out. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what we say. If we were one person, we balance each other out, sort of thing. So it's, it's funny. But, um, yeah, so that was like um, one of my my first symptoms. My first one was um, I had I felt like I had a stroke. So like this side of my face and my body went completely numb, like the left side. And um, yeah. luckily, like in my upper body, it's kind of like gone away, but it still has less feeling because they do this test where they test all your reflexes and test all your feeling and stuff in the hospital, like mm. a normal person would have compared to me. And then they compare the two. And my whole left side of my body is like not where it should be if you know what I mean mm. whereas my right side is still not where it should be but it's a lot better than my left side and um sometimes like I can't walk very well because my left leg I literally can't feel it so like I'll fall over or something wow. I can't lift my foot off, off the floor on, on, a, on a really bad day because that's yeah. another thing with MS why you have to take it day by day is because it is different every single day you, you literally never I never I've had to get comfortable with never feeling the same. I've never felt the same way every single day. And I guess nobody really does. But in a, in a way, for, for somebody with MS, you, it, it's just so different. Like, it's a, And it's a drastic change. Like yesterday, I had a really, really good day. And I was like, oh, yes, I'm, I've got some energy. I can go out. I can do this. I can do that. And then today I was like, oh, I literally can't do anything. Like, yeah. I, and I've had to just lay down and just do pretty much very minimal stuff. So... Yeah, that's that's why I always say you just got to take it day by day. You can't, but that's obviously hard to try and balance a career around being like, yeah, yeah. cool, just take it day by day. That's it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I guess you got you got to sort of make it first, haven't you? And then when you've got lots of money in the bank, you can just work when you're having a really good day. I'm not there. Yeah, we got to <laughs> got to sort of I'm get your lucky break first. Mm. Amazing. So let's have a chat about your getting into um, into big, big, being a singer. So I knew a little bit about you from before that you've you know you've been out there using your voice in, in in bands for a few years now. But you started out with a drummer, I think you said to me. Started playing the drums when I was twelve. Yeah, yeah my, my my dad was a drummer, and I'd always seen the drum kit around, so I just started playing on it. And I basically taught myself a bit, and then he taught me some, and then I just took it and got a couple of lessons to begin with. Then just was like, right, I want to be in a band. I'm going to grow my hair. Massive. <laughs> Love Bon Jovi. Like, let's do this. And then I met my friends and I was like, this is awesome. And we'd done it for, for years. And that was all when I was like in my teens, so like 14. And then there was like a time when I was like, oh, I really love this Bon Jovi song. It's called 99 in the Shade. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, James, which is listening, I was like, can you learn the drums so I can sing this one live, please? <laughs> I was like, because I just love this song. And then I got a really good reaction from it when we, when we played it. Like people were like, this is wicked. Like, that's so cool that you just come out from behind the drums and start singing. And this is when I was probably like 16 or something like that. Yeah, and that, and that was really, really, really fun time in my life. I really, I'm so glad I have that to look back on, you know. And then I went to college, studied like drums for a year. And then I was like, oh, I'm not really enjoying playing the drums anymore. I, I was... And I, and when we were in like rehearsals with people, like we had to write songs and stuff, I'd always be like, this needs to go here. That needs to go here. This would be good if you do that. And I was like, hang on, I could do this. So I was like, cool. I lost my granddad. So like he, he passed away and um, 
I was like, I had so much emotion. I was like, I was like, people, I always hear that people write songs about stuff like this. So I was like, cool, I'm going to pick up a guitar, learn four chords and write songs because all you need is three chords and the truth. So I was like, cool, that's that's the whole country saying, isn't it? Three chords yeah. and the truth. There you go. So I was like, cool, and I wrote that song um, and then I played it to some people and they're like, wow, oh, that's really good. They were like, you you could do this, mate. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I was just like, maybe I'll give it a shot then. Yeah. And then... I went traveling for a bit, went to Nashville because I love country music. It's like my favorite thing ever. I come back from there and I was like, I'm ready to do this. I was like, I'm ready to, seeing that kind of culture and seeing the music and seeing the, the thing, I was like, I'm ready to do this. So I, I bought the Brett Manning, what is it, Singing Success, I think it's called. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Singing yeah. Success. I was like, cool, I'm going to do this every day, <laughs> religiously for like an hour. So I was like, cool. And I just done that, annoyed everybody in my house, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I'm like, shut up, stop squeaking away in the back or whatever. <laughs> they're like, no, like, bless them. No, my mum and that have never done that to me, even though they felt that way. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd be working, like, in, like, a catering job or something, and I'd just, like, come in off, because we used to do split shifts, I'd come in off my split shift and just smash out loads of vocals and just do these exercises and then annoy everybody <laughs> in the house. And then be like, see you later, guys. <laughs> just go, go back to work. But um, yeah, so that's when I, and then I um, started a duo, but I didn't, I wasn't competent at playing guitar. I played the cajon instead. because so I was like, yeah, I've seen people do that. I play the drums, can't, can't be that hard. So I'd done that and just done harmonies for, mm. for a good three or four years, I think. Just done backing vocals and just listened to stuff and be like, cool, backing vocals. And then um, it was a Daughtry song. Ah. And I was like, I want to do this. I was like, please, can we, can we do this? And it's called Life After You. Yeah. And I remember that's one of my, the first ones where I was like, can I sing lead on this? I was like, can I, can I try? Because I've been doing it. And then we've done that and pe- people reacted really well to it. They were like, that's really good. They were like, cool. They're like, you've got a good voice, mate. You can do it. And I was like, cheers. Yeah. So, so after that, done that for a few years and I was like, ah, oh, this, this isn't kind of working, I guess. And um, me and the girl that I was in the duo with, we kind of fell out and I was like, oh, cool, I'm just going to do this on my own then. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go to London and study. So I'd done that, graduated last year, took loads of lessons when I was there with Rachel, you know Rachel? Yes. Rachel Black, and done very, loads and loads of different pro- projects. And I literally just wrote for anybody. I was like, I'm going to write, <laughs> just write songs, let's write songs all the time. I was like, I can write a song about a curtain if you need it. <laughs> like, it's like, it's fine, I'll write anything. So that was me. And I, I wrote some really cool stuff. I wrote an EP for somebody I wrote a couple of singles that have just been released for a girl in Sweden um, on a record label. Um, yeah. So I was like, cool, that, that's good. And then all the while doing these function bands and stuff. Yeah. Then I moved back home to be with my wife. I was like, I'm done with London. It's a bit too much for me. And I was commuting back to see the, the little children and stuff as well. I was like, oh, I want to just be around, around my family, um, especially having this illness as well. It's, it's a lot. Like, I like going to London, but I like coming away. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love the atmosphere. It's great. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Really, really fast paced, blah, blah, blah. And then coming away and being like, cool, that's all right. <laughs> you know, for a period of time. And I'm, I'm very lucky that I live in Phoenixstone and can be, you know, can do that. But yeah, so, so I've done that. And then I started um, the Busketeers and um, was just going out busking all the time. Like, literally just going out, playing anywhere. Do you make good money as a busker these days? I mean, does that, does that? Yeah. I do anyway. That's great. Everyone always goes, oh, I'm only making like two quid. I'm like, mate, you're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're not doing it right. <laughs> like, like, this is fun. And we're just playing in the street. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's literally, and it's the best practice in the world because everybody and no one is paying attention to you. Yes, you know I, mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. So like, that's what I always say to people. I'm like, this is the best practice you could ever get because you're in front of everyone, but no one's paying attention, but they might be. You don't know. This is, um, yeah, I see I've had gigs like that where I've done uh, like solo. I know it sounds soul destroying, but I actually don't mind these for that reason because it is about how you perceive what's going on. Yeah. And what might be to some people a really sort of like, oh, you know, deflating gig where you're you're set up in the corner with your, you know, your one person PA and your backing tracks and your mic and your, yeah. your lights. And you just, you know, some gigs, you're not there to be taken notice of. You're there to create an atmosphere. And those for me were actually some of the free, most freeing gigs because I, like you say, you could, you just have the best time because you just like, you can be completely free and. Yeah. Oh, I also left out that in uni, I went on tour with a country music band. 
Ah. We went kind of around the country. Oh, I was um, joint lead singer and, and rhythm guitar. Oh, right. I was in duo, a duo with a guy called Tim. Nice guy, really nice guy. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, um, we went around the country. That was fun. Um, doing ri- original stuff. Yeah. So that was the first time I've ever been around. Made no money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> playing playing festi- uh, festivals and food festivals and gigs where there was two people there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a really interesting experience. I've just been around. <laughs> I've, just, I've, just tried, I've tried to live my life in, in the most positive, impactful way on other people and myself that I can. Yeah, and that comes across. You you get a lot of love on Facebook and stuff. I can see you've got a great, you know, so. a great network of people around you, which is fantastic to see. It's really good. So, what do you find now? Obviously, I know that you've got all these, you know, this other health issue to to, um, to contend with at the same time. But do you have anything that you would pass on to people that you find most valuable in caring for your voice now? Always warm up. Always warm up. Even if it's like five minutes or anything. Always, always warm up. I've done gigs where I haven't warmed up and I'm like, this is the worst thing. I should have warmed up, you know? Yeah. I know a lot of people, a lot of singers and a lot of musicians are like, yeah, you don't need to warm up. You can just do it while you're out there. And you're like, mm. nah, not really. If you want to be a professional, like every professional warms up. You know what I mean? You know, like I, I take it as like, you know, the MMA fighters. They don't just go out there cold. You know what yeah. I mean? They're in the back, they're warming up, they're stretching, they're doing this. Do you know what I mean? Like, and boxers and everything like that. They don't just go out there like, yeah, of cool, course, warm up when I'm out there. Mm, yeah, that's the right attitude. I mean, the other thing is, well, I mean, you can go, I suppose it does depend what you're singing. Because, yeah. you know, some some guys that I've known on the circuit over the years, with the set that they're singing, they don't really need to warm up because they're not stretching themselves that much. If they're just going to sort of stay in that kind of modal register and drone on <laughs> which isn't the sort yeah, of gig see, i would ever stay at but <laughs> no that's that's what i mean and, and it, it all for me it comes down to risk mm. because i see people and they always play it safe that annoys me personally because i'm like ah oh, like that's that's kind of boring you're just mm. like sitting there singing in the same register at the same time and i'm like i don't want to listen to this anymore really it's not exciting or not doing anything for me but it, it has its place yeah um i am known as a person that takes quite a big risk <laughs> Because having my treatment is quite a big risk. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, that's what they said to you. They were like, to me, because you get offers, I think it's nine, nine different treatments, right? And they're like, you need to weigh up what sort of person you are. Are you a high risk, high reward? <laughs> are you a low risk, not low reward, but kind of, it's not as going to be as good as the high risk, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I was like, the thing that swayed me the most is like, yeah, you might not be able to walk when you're 30. And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to take the nice risk other than the stem cell therapy. Cause I was like, no way. I'm not going to do that. Which is basically you literally have your whole immune system wiped out rather than just your white blood cells. And then they regrow your immune system through stem cells and you have to be in quarantine for at least two weeks. So you can't see anyone. You can't go out. You're in this little room. Wow. And then, yeah, I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it does sound like some my, my mind's going but it does sound like some interesting science because i guess that it must that must it, work for some people it, it really is but with that there's a mortality rate that uh, that was like oh dear i'm not gonna do that yeah that sounds um, because of that you know what i mean because if you get ill or something it's it's you know it's it's pretty damn with, with mine it, it it still was but it wasn't as bad because i still had some of my immune system mm. only wiped out a little you know a a proportion of it still quite a big proportion but not as much as that one it's it's funny because they 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 said to me on my first round of treatment they were like you're gonna feel the worst you've ever felt for the next three months of your life and I was just and it's funny I felt the best I'd ever felt in three years for those three months isn't that interesting I wonder why they put that in your mind because that's sort of like you know I mean because because most people like, Most people you would. You just had your white blood cells killed, you know what I mean? You're going to feel yeah. terrible. But I felt great. And then it was as if they'd grown back because it takes three months for them to come back. As soon as they come back, felt terrible again. After oh. three months, like it was like on a clock. It was wow. just like terrible again. So so is that, that, that treatment, was it like the treatment lasts three months? 
You have no, to no, no, no. It'll it last for the rest of my life now. I'll last for the rest of my life now. Unless I have another relapse. Yeah. Um, but mine, I had a relapse in between because it's two years apart. So you have one, one year, wait a year. Yeah. And then yeah. have it again. And then hopefully you don't need an, another one because you've, you've had it. It's done. You've kind of stopped the progression of it. Some people go on and need a uh, third or fourth round. I'm praying I don't. And mm. fingers crossed I haven't yet. But in between them both, I had an episode of relapse and my eye now is all funny. You, you won't be able to notice it because it's not a noticeable, but when I turn, this eye just wobbles and it's oh. really annoying and then it comes back so I can see again. Does your vision go funny when that happens? Um, only for a split second in my left eye yeah. and then it just like stops. It's weird. But that's, that was what, in between my treatments. Fingers crossed since then, though, I haven't, I've had a few flare-ups but I have, which is completely different to... Yeah, it's, it's really complicated. Actually. Yeah, it is, isn't like, it? When you have to talk okay, about it. So, so like you, a, a flare up is like you get old symptoms that have kind of got better back, basically. Yeah. So like I, I had a I had a flare up. My eyes literally like I go so I can't really see that well. They literally just go. So I'm like got all these fuzzy things floating around. Okay. I was kind of like, babe, I'm having a relapse. Like to my wife, I was just like, oh my god. I was like, what's happening? And I spoke to a nurse, and they were like, have you had this before? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's not a relapse. It's just a flare up. And then, and that's when I had a fever of like 90 and it was just like staying Whoa. there. And then I was like, I've got COVID. Oh my God, I'm going to die. And I had to go to hospital, but it wasn't. And, it, yeah. and I was fine. But yeah, so that's, that's basically MS in a nutshell though, really. Mm. It's not nice. It's not nice. And, you know, we obviously, you know, I'm hoping that obviously medical science will keep, uh, keep progressing and looking into all the things that can be done to relieve any symptoms but I think what you're saying obviously is if it's every day is a little bit different you've got oh, to yeah. just deal with your symptoms daily anyway yeah definitely what are your sort of things that you can do to keep yourself on that good track or does it make no difference what no you difference do at all. so it's just it literally, there's literally like I could eat the healthiest because this is what my mum my mum's a very sort of like natural health yeah woman. and I love her for it She's like, you need to eat more of this. I'm like, mum, I literally eat so good. Like, it's literally not that. Yeah. I mean, and, and when we went to the hospital, they're like, there's nothing you can eat. There's nothing you can do. It's literally, this is what it is. You know what yeah. I mean? So that kind of put my mind at rest a little bit-ish. But yeah, it's just it's just so random. Like, it's such, that's why it's so, so hard to deal with. And yeah. so at the start, it can make you have really weird outbursts. So like, I would literally start laughing at something that's just really not funny or something that's really, really like, you shouldn't be laughing at that. And I'd just be absolutely like <laughs> wetting myself sort of thing. And, um, and, and like cry, overly emotional as well. It, it affects everything in your body. Like it literally does. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a weird thing. <laughs> such a weird thing. Like I never thought in my life when I was younger that this would happen to me. I yeah, of like, course. No, you, you don't, you can't, you can't imagine these things. I think it was something that someone said to me years and years ago when I started to learn about karma. Mm. And I think karma gets a bad name because people always think of it as what goes around comes around and that in somehow, in some way, it's always the negative. It's mm. always that if you do someone wrong, then something wrong will be done to you. It's not really to do with that, but I did learn it around the same time I was learning about karma. And it was that the, the hardest lives are given to the strongest souls. And That's what everyone always says. Yeah. And Literally, it, like, my, my friend said that to me the other day because I was saying how crap I felt. And I was just like, this is just terrible. And he was like, yeah, it, like, it couldn't have gone to a stronger person. I was like, mate, I don't feel strong yeah. today. <laughs> you know, but there you go. You know? Yeah. Um, so I know there's, there's kind of strength and then there's a, kind of unseen strength maybe the unseen strength of mm. strength of um strength of what you know the, the the juice on the inside we we don't know how to describe <laughs> someone yeah, said to me i yeah. got a friend of mine said to me last week that and i haven't looked at the science on this but apparently if you weigh somebody on their deathbed moments before they actually die and then you mm. weigh them again moments after they've actually been termed clinically dead they're lighter so the logical explanation is that as the soul leaves the body or whatever it is that powers us, the light or whatever, our, our essence, our energy, our chi, our life force, whatever you want to call it, that, that, uh, that, that you know, we leave, we leave our shells of a body and we, whatever, what do we do? We go off somewhere else. Um, I just wondered what you, uh, what you thought about any of that stuff. Is that just gaga? <laughs> 
that stuff. See, that's yeah. very interesting. Um, oh, that's difficult. I'm not saying I believe one way or the other either. I'm just saying I was told this and I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't know what to believe. Yeah. Is my there is, there's so much information on, on a lot of things. Um, I don't think we will ever know. Because if we knew, how, how unexciting would life be? <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, I know what happens now, so what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I get it. We go here, it's fine. Do whatever I want now, you know? Um, but we we may one day know, but I, I don't know. I, I think there's a reason why we don't, personally. It might, it might be a really terrible reason. Like, we're controlled by a superior race and we're in a, a thing. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those... The Matrix. Movies, we're, we're in the Matrix. I mean? That might be the reason, but yeah. at the end of the day, there's there's a good reason there's certainly well, there's certainly a lot more out there to what we what we can yes, possibly conceive yes, of. Yes, there is. There's I, more I, than I we know. That. And um yeah, I I think everything happens for a reason. But we we are that reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um that's 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 what I say because everyone's like, oh, you got to think everything happens for a reason. I'm like, no, I don't have to think that if I don't want to. <laughs> Do you know of course, what I mean? yeah, you don't you don't have to think. Like, anything. A, a, a lot of people have said that to me, and I'm like, nah, like I don't have to think that if I don't want to. Um, but yeah, I've I I believe that we are in a certain amount of control, but I don't think we're in 100 percent control. Do you know what I mean? And that's just my opinion. I'm not gonna. Yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. You don't get marked on it. <laughs> anyone else try and view that in that way? Because I'm not like that. I'll, you know, I accept everyone's point of view, even if I don't agree with it. It's like that's what makes humanity human. Absolutely. You know I mean? Well, that's great. I mean, that that in itself is just expressing someone who's open-minded because you're not saying this is how it is and and everyone else is wrong. Um, and you'd, and that's you'd, you'd be. Fo- um, foolish to, yeah. to think that this you know absolutely that's why I don't agree with people like well I'll say it how it is it's like no you say it how you see it you know? how it is and, to that person is not necessarily yeah, yeah. You how it is you, yeah you say it say it how you see it and that's it yeah I love I mean me and my daughter um uh she's she's 19 and knows everything you know you know, when you're 19, you kind what of feel... What a wonderful place to be. Oh, I remember that, being there. Yeah, I think I do remember being there as well. And, it, you know, some having some tricky years with my own mum because you, you, I don't know what it is. It's that beginning of starting your adult life when you get to make all of your own decisions and, you know, your choices are your choices, not what your yeah. parents chose for you or whatever. And yeah. um, But I tell you what's really funny is is that I can't I can't reach out to her in the same way I can with people I work with because she doesn't want to listen to me because I'm her mother. (laughs) So literally it feels like everything I suggest sometimes there's this contrary just for the point of it. Well, actually, no, I think this. I'm like, oh, God, it's such a battle. (laughs) I used to be like that. I remember. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But I just think it's great to question and ask questions and 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 it's okay to change our minds and it's okay to just say, look, we're all learning as we go through this uh, wonderful thing called life. Now then, here's a question for you. So... Uh, I'd like to ask you whose voices inspire you and who could you never tire of listening to? Wow, there are quite a few of those. But <clears throat> I have prepared myself for this question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of, one of them is Chris Daughtry. Yeah. I have listened to him pretty much most days um, for the, ever since I discovered him a few years back. Incredible voice. He's songwriting too because he writes all his own stuff with with people. Absolutely amazing. The way that he puts things across is is incredible. There's a song called Witness. You should check it out if you haven't heard it. And the listen to the 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 normal version, then the strip version, because the strip version is 50 million times better. I think I'm just like, it's just that's what it needed to be. You should yeah. release that one, mate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that always gets me really emotional. His his voice always makes me feel something, you know. Mm-hmm. For like the technical aspect of singing would be Shay Mooney which is from Dan and Shay mm. he is literally like wow like <laughs> how do I get that good like because yeah. it's like incredible who, who else is so many um the guy from fun just because his range is just like does he even have a limit on his range because it's like <laughs> mental um and I went to see them in Norwich with my mum and um that was a really nice experience and they split up shortly after that. Uh, they were like, yeah, we're calling it a day for now because we want to go do other things. So I was like, wow, we actually got to see them. So that's really, 
really, really amazing. Someone I haven't seen live, but who is really inspiring and just incredible at singing is the guy from Rascal Flats, Gary Levox. Oh, yeah. He is just like, wow. Like his vocal agility, like yeah. going low and really high and everywhere in between and, and all that is, is incredible. I'll tell you, this is more of a singer-songwriter perspective, but I saw this guy called Charlie Warsham hmm. at the Country to Country Festival in 2015, I want to say. And I went on my own and he was up there just doing his guitar in front of all these people. And he was singing this song, which I don't think the lyrics, but anyway, he doesn't say, and he forgot the lyrics. Okay. And he just was like, whoops, oh, oh dear. And then carried on playing. And yeah. like, he didn't even care. And I was like, that's real, man. Mm. He was like singing. And I preferred that. I love Carrie Underwood, bless her soul, but I was, she was headlining and I went into the main room to see her. I preferred seeing him because he was more real, where she was all rehearsed, all the dance moves and everything, which is cool. Yeah. But when when he, he played the song and he like captured the audience and the audience finished the lyrics from them, they're like, yeah, it's this, mate. And then they started, I was like, that is just awesome. He wasn't like the best singer, but he was just himself. Yes. Know? Somebody who I work with, who I'm inspired by, is James, James Boucher. Like tell, tell, tell all our listeners about James. And obviously James will hear this. Yeah, I okay. hope he does. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he was the lead singer on my band for many years. And um, he, he's kind of like, no, he hasn't given up on music, but he was like, oh, I'm never going to be like a great singer. I'm never going to be like, I had this conversation with the other day. He was like, oh, I've just accepted that I'm just going to play covers on with this. I was like, you're stupid, man. I was like, you're, stu- I was like, you're, you're ridiculous, mate. <laughs> so when you watch the shows, mate, you're silly. But, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, just because like he's, he's worked so hard. Like he's like, I've got recordings of us back in the day. Bless us. We're 14. We're rocking out and we're, you know, not great. But still, <laughs> we, we thought we were amazing. You know what I mean? That was the thing that counts. You had the passion. Yeah, and now he's like, he's put in the work, you know? So he's incredible. Like, he can sing Living on a Prayer in the original key and just like smash it, like without like even trying. And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> like how do you do that, you know? So yeah, he's, he's, he's incredible. And he's someone I've, I've looked up to vocally for, for m- pretty much my whole life. Like, he, the way that he approaches it, he's so chilled out with it all. Like, when he sings, he rarely makes a mistake because he knows where everything needs to be. He's rarely flat, he's rarely anything he yeah. just knows where it needs to be for him it's great so yeah definitely definitely him it um, makes a real difference when when um you know whether it's a, a famous artist or you know your best mate that you sing with down the pub it makes a difference when someone trusts their voice because oh, yeah. if you're singing and, and you're trusting your voice and and you're free with it you'll be able to do a lot more with it than the person who's like anxiously holding the microphone shaking going oh my god I can't do this oh my god I'm not good enough that used to be me that, that. and that that is you know you go you look at it now then you go it's no wonder that it wasn't flexing so yeah, easily yeah. yeah with all that <laughs> tension in the system so it's really good to you know I think you like you say your your family and your wife now they're coming to well obviously just before we went back into tier four going to see you in a in a gig and saying you you seem more at ease in yourself you're coming across more relaxed and like you're and you're having fun and I think that's the important thing for anyone I work with is is that um yeah I mean there are times when you go you know this is a job maybe it's an audition or I've got to get ready somebody ready for um something that is a job but you know I want those people to really enjoy what they do Um, and and when you bring joy into the room uh people want to work with you at the end of the day don't they they don't want to work with miserable bastards so you know (laughs) So no, I might bleep exactly myself there. I, I also, um, when I was at uni, I was fortunate enough. Um, we we literally, I was in a duo with um, a guitar player and I play guitar too. we just done a gig in um, West London, Richmond, I believe, I think. Mm-hmm. Something like that, somewhere. Uh, Travelling back to Suffolk because it was like weekend home. So we just done a gig. And um, my mate sent me this. He was like, dude, you need to audition for this. Like, it's right up your street. It's like to go to Nashville in a band. And, mate, you need to do it. So I was like, oh, I was a bit hungover because I used to drink back then too. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, <laughs> I was like, oh, all right then, cool. So I like turned on my Mac, the MacBook, like got my guitar. I was like, what can I do? I can do a couple of songs. So I was like, George Ezra, blame on me. Let's do that. It's really easy. I can sing that really easily. Sent off the audition tape. Didn't think I'd hear anything back at all. So I was like, that's fine. Couple of, a couple of days go by, 
nothing. So I was like, oh, cool, just forgot about it. And then a week later, I got a message back saying, hi, Curtis, um, we've got your audition tape. We'd like to offer you a live audition. You got down to the last 30 out of 300 people. I was like, what? Yes. I was like, hungover audition tape <laughs> got me down to like the, the last, you know, 30 out of 300 people that get a live audition. And it was in front of the people that organised the CMAs in America. Like, Amazing. that's the biggest country music festival. And I was like, yeah. what? I was like, oh my God, I get to play in front of these people. I was like, this is insane. So long story short, I go to the audition. It's in London. It's in like a massive studio and a huge thing. And I was like, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is <laughs> terrifying. Um, met some really nice people there too that I still keep in contact with now. That's cool. Um, and I've done the audition, yeah. And I got some, some really good feedback on it. They didn't end up doing the the TV show because it was for a TV show, but mm. they didn't end up doing it in the end oh. for some reason. So nobody got it. But I was like, I don't care. I met somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is cool. It's um, great. It's great experience, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and that kind of, what I would say too is whenever I've lost faith in myself or lost faith or I'm about to be like, ah, oh, that's it. I'm calling it Dana. Something happens that keeps me going. There's just like, it's just like a thing. Whenever I'm so close to giving up something, something happens to be like, no, don't do that, mate. You know yeah. what I mean? It's weird. I like, I'm not like one of these superstitious people, blah, blah, but that always is the case. There's always one of those things that is just like, don't give up. Let's yeah. go. There's got to, there's got to be a sign in there then, hasn't there? Somebody's keep, keep, keeping you in line. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, but it's, it's, it, it's just what it is. It is what it is. Um, yeah. For some reason, that always happens. So I'm like, okay, I'll just keep going. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. When, when, when I'm, and that was one of them. Because I'd played that gig and I was like, that was annoying. I didn't really want to. I was like, oh, this is like, I'm not enjoying this anymore. You know, mm. I was just like, I'm, we played that gig. And after that gig, I was just like, I'm not really happy with this. <laughs> What's going on sort of thing. And I wasn't in, in a really good place either, obviously, because of my MS and I hadn't been diagnosed then. Ah, uh, yeah. That's <clears> tough. Whenever I'm close to giving up or close to being like, oh, it's a friend of town, mate, it's all good. There's always been this one thing that just goes, just a little spark in there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, I don't, I don't know what you call that, but it's always been there. Like, I don't think that's, I don't know what to call that either, but I do think it's, I suppose, partly, you must know in yourself, like, deep down, that you're, you're drawn to music. You're drawn to making it, producing it, writing yeah. it, singing it, performing it. Yeah, I mean... I've, I've had a bit of a break from recording or actually I've been writing, which is cool, which is, I haven't been writing in a while, but I don't know. I just, I always wondered to myself, what would I be like if I didn't have music? Like, I'm just like, because I literally like, I'd come in here every day. This is like my space to practice and do everything every single day. So I don't know what I'd be Me doing. Too. And I don't know what else I'm, I'm all right at. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not one of these people that's like, yeah, I'm amazing. But I'm like, I'm not rubbish. Do you know what I mean? I'll put in the work. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, outwork my own doubt, which is what I would say to people. That's my favorite saying, outwork the doubt, you know? Yeah. And your own thing. So that's what I've been doing. And you've, you've helped me do that with your lessons. Oh, bless you. But um, yeah, so I always wonder that. I'm like, what would I do if I didn't do music? And then, and then, and then I feel this really like emptiness inside when I feel like that. And I'm like, oh, that don't feel good. Regardless of anything, like if I get pissed off for playing guitar, pissed off singing or pissed off whatever, and don't work, I'm like, that just can't happen. Yeah, that just can't happen. I couldn't live without it. (laughs) You know? Absolutely. No, I think you're, I think it's, once it's part of you, it's part of you. Because I mean, even if you did say, I'm going to quit and go and get a job as a, as a, you know, working in a store or in a company or something. I've done it. You've done those (laughs) things. Yeah. I've, I've. I've, I've done that and be like, yeah, I'm not doing it anymore. And then I'm like, there's always that little thing that's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, you just not, you need to do it. And I'm like, okay, maybe I do. Um, yeah, maybe you've just got this massive hit song in you waiting to come out. You know, this will be a, know. well, you only need is one hit song and it's a life changer. That's very true. I, I agree with you there. That's, mm. that's very true. Have you had anything that you believe to be true about your voice that you've since discovered wasn't true at all and that you can do something that you kept telling yourself you couldn't do yes mine mine would be um hitting certain notes like i forever was told when i was singing back in uni and other things they're like nah sorry you you won't be able to do that because you're you're this type of voice or you're that so you won't be able to do it and then and now i'm like 
yes I can mate because I can smash it I'm like oh like literally I, I was like oh my god like I can like I, I went out today because I was um, singing that weekend song and it goes up to like a high C and I can do it I was like I can do it like I was just like what the hell like I was like this is so cool you know um yeah. so yeah I, I, I just think yeah that was a light bulb moment to kind of not put yourself down before you even try yeah that's, that's a, a, a really a massive one like when I heard that weekend song, I was like, oh, this is really high. But I was like, jump, just give it a try. Don't matter. You can change the key if you need to. It don't really matter. But yeah. I haven't, you know. So it's it was that. Um, also that singing, like using twang, mm-hmm. like sounds bad. Like everyone used to say that to me. They're like, no, you, you, you're singing too nasally. You're not doing that. And then... I've like recorded myself loads and I was like, that doesn't actually sound that bad. <laughs> and I know when I sound bad, if you know what I mean. So <clears throat> I was like, that's just not bad. And it actually helps with the pitching, you know? Mm. So that was another thing. Um, another thing is you don't have to belt everything. <laughs> like, yeah, who knew? <laughs> every, everything is not a struggle too. Yes. Everything is not a struggle, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and going up in the high notes don't need to be a struggle. And that's, um, and even when you're having a crap day, that's another thing that I've learned from you is you can use a fin fold make it sound ish similar and and you're, you're ready to go so you can still hit these high notes when you're feeling rubbish or when you're not do you know what I mean so like yeah. if I'm having a bad day and I, I'm like oh I need to go and perform I, I used to be like oh my god I'm gonna cry because I can't do this anymore now I'm just like cool I can just use fin fold give a little bit of distortion give a little bit of grit or something and then this <laughs> it, it'll do the job <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean so um, and that's kind of the whole like eureka kind of like you can sing you can sing no matter what condition you're in. I mean, obviously yeah, yeah. there are there are times yeah, where I would say, you know, of course. don't but, but do it today. I mean, or, yeah, what I mean is for me is it's because I'm ill all the time. I'm literally ill every single day of my life. Like I say to people, they're like, oh, you know, how are you feeling? I'm like, I'm ill. I literally feel crap. Like I can't even describe it. And that isn't me being like, oh, I feel sorry for me. That's literally be- yeah. me being like, that's my life. I just, that's what my life is. My wife's the same. You know, we... We we just feel terrible together, and it's fine. You know what I mean? And that's and we 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 you know that's that's how we live, and it's not a cry for sympathy, but you know. So that's how I've had a, a light bulb moment for me is like you can still now. What was it? Anything worth doing is still worth doing poorly. And that, I heard this saying the other day, and I was like, that is so true. It's like if you can't bear to to because you're in so much pain, you can only brush your teeth for thirty seconds. It's still worth doing. Because yes. you're still doing it for that 30 seconds rather than not doing it at not all. Doing it you know at what I mean? Yes, so I do. That, that's what I live by now. Also, this one as well. It's okay to change the key if you're not feeling great. Yeah. Fine. Like, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's you don't not. have to be Freddie Mercury every every song, every day. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. You and know? also, you know, when you when you think about I always say this to people, right? When you think about the performances that you've witnessed that have moved you, have you yeah. have you ever been moved by a song? Because of the key it was in, not because the key is in that. No, it, it, it's what is it? It's the the message of the song or the emotion of, of how it's being yeah. sung to you. You know, it's it's that that I think we connect with a lot more than whether it's that high yeah. note is a, an A or a G. <laughs> I've never got that. I think we want inten- we want intensity, don't we? I think it's the yeah, intensity, exactly. and that's that's what I've learned as well. That that I don't go by like head voice falsetto vocal fire or anything anymore I just go by like am I going to do it with a thick fold or am I going to do it with a thin fold and that kind of that See, mindset that's an interesting, I mean that's like you've replaced one one idea with another but is is that to to promote how much energy how much vibration you're using you're, yeah, yeah. No, for, for me it's it's just how much intensity yeah. and on that day am I like oh am I going to do this in a thick fold or am I going to do it in a thin fold because it's like yeah. am I going to really do it you know I mean? Yeah, so and it's like am I going for the belt or am I going, yeah, going for, for the, the, belt, or the or sort of for the, for the easier kind of, option the, the plan B. <laughs> but you can still make it sound yeah. very good. Because, do you know what I mean? The weekend does it. He's a prime example. He just, he's, he's got it dialed in. Because I'm quite an intense person. I don't know if you've realised I've noticed that. this. Yeah, you probably <laughs> <laughs> And my, my friends say, that's what we love about you. You always You always, like, motivate us to do things. And you, like, I used to, when I used to live with um, my producer friend, he's gone on to be really, really successful. Um, he was like, mate, he was like, I miss your wake-up call at 7am to be like, let's go and get life, man. Oh, it was like, I've missed that. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of, kind of me really. I'm quite intense. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad, but at the end of the day, it's just me. It's just you. You can only that's do it. you. It's you just, just do me. you. I can only be me. I mean, so, 
My wife hates it as well. She's like, why are you so energetic in the morning? She's like, I've just, I'm just coming around and you're like, let's go out the door. And I'm like, yeah, I just can't help it. So you're a lark. You see, I'm, I'm a night owl. I'm probably more like uh, your lovely wife. But a, a night owl, a lark in the morning is like a, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's like... it. That's what she's like. She's like, she's like, why can't you just be like miserable like everybody else? <laughs> she's like, I'm like, I just can't do it. Yeah. You know? Um, even if the kids have kept us up, I'm still bum. Yeah. I'm, I'm awake, okay? That's great. Um, You're on a mission. So what what's what, what, look, last question? What's yeah. what does vocal freedom mean to you? What's vocal freedom to you? Okay, so vocal freedom to me is being able to achieve the goal that you have for your voice in as many ways as you feel like you need to. Okay. Yeah. So you've got choices. Yeah. That's freedom, isn't it? Yeah. Choice. Freedom of choice. Freedom um, of choice. Because you're, you're not like pigeonholed to one thing. Like for me now, I don't need to belt everything. If mm. I'm singing Bon Jovi always, I don't need to go, Blah! you know what I mean? Yeah. I can just do it if I want to. Yeah. And, great. and then what, what I like is going through the options. I, I love that now. I've literally, I've never been able to do that. And now I sit there, I'm learning something, I'm like, oh, let's try this with that. Oh, yeah, maybe this. Oh, does that sound better? And that's wicked. Yeah. That's absolutely wicked. That's, to me, that's freedom for me, obviously. That's wonderful. But that's really freedom, good. in a nutshell, is what anyone wants it to be for them. Yes, absolutely. It? Yeah. It's what like, wants it to be for them. And also, that. I think that's the thing of, of that making that connection with your voice is also yeah. about making that connection with your inner critic. Yeah, and it, it, it should be absent of um, judgment. Yeah, yeah. We can just look at it for what it is. Okay, yeah, and, okay, that didn't quite go to plan, so I'm going to try it a different way. Let's see what we can do with that. And that's, that's which is fine. a much better place to work from as well, rather than just getting frustrated and, oh, it won't work, it won't work. That was me before. It's lots of singers, believe me. It's, it's, it's before we started lessons. That's, yeah. that's what I was, people like I've been coached by, like, they would say, you just need to push harder. I'm like, where? <laughs> yes. Where, where am I pushing harder? Do you know what I mean? Oh, you need to use your diaphragm, diaphragm more. And then every time you use your diaphragm more, it cuts your throat off. And you go, I'm going, well, that don't work, does it? I'm squeezing everything I've got yeah. down into my diaphragm and it's gone. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's what freedom is to me, being able to use your voice in the way that you want to. Perfect answer. Absolutely perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> so thank you so much for being a brilliant guest. We will have Curtis back on the show, ladies and gents, um, towards the end of our Reset and Manifest work. So we can actually then have a chat about whether any of this work had an impact on your daily life. Cool. You never know. You never there know. There might be some stuff right. there that has an impact on your MS. Exactly. That would be amazing. We'll see. We will certainly see. <laughs> awesome. Okay, amazing. So thank you very much. Cheers, Lee. <laughs> no worries. Thank you for joining me on the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom, feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say. Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast. Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time. <laughs>